and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Tracy Sheen, it is so great to have you on She's the Boss Chats. I'm really excited to hear your story. Thank you so much for agreeing to this. Uh, Jules, I've been itching all morning to have this chat. (laughs) Fantastic. Okay, so let's start off for anyone who's listening um, by telling them what it is that you do now. So tell me, what are you doing and why are you doing it? Sure. So these days I'm known as the digital guide. And basically what I do is help small business owners overcome the overwhelm around technology in business. What a great, great service. Now, tell me a little bit more, though. Flesh that out for me a little bit. And why are you doing it? It's been a 30-year journey. <laughs> great. So, We've got an hour to hear your story. So, so it's one of be those good. overnight successes in 30 years. <laughs> so, um, I grew up in regional New South Wales and I grew up behind the counter of a general store. Uh, My first job, if anyone is listening from Sydney or Brisbane in particular, was Strathfield Car Radios. So I started selling mobile phones two years, three years after they came out into the marketplace. So that's my history. Right. Okay. So, and how has that led to what you're doing? I guess I'm going to ask you your whole story in a second, but I'm really intrigued to know why you became the digital guide and why you even create, why you thought that people needed that help? Quite simply because (laughs) for the last 30 years, I've seen business owners struggle to adapt and adopt new technology. So whether it was a mobile phone back in the 90s, laptops, mid-90s, email technology, I've been there at the bleeding edge for all of it and watching particularly like – my generation. I'm not going to lumber yeah. you in with me, Jules. But oh, I think I'm older than you. Generation. I'm 54, so don't worry. I'm definitely in there. <laughs> so so the Gen X is right. Tech happened to us. Yes, we it did. We didn't grow up with it. And this stuff keeps getting thrown at us that you've got to have this, you've got to do that, you've got to be here, you've got to be – and it's just too much. Yeah. So yeah. I was actually that nerd that geeked out on finding all of this stuff out and then gradually my people – my people's just kept coming to me going, how do you know about this? Teach me about that. Why do I need to know where I should have? Da, 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 da. That's where it came from because people just, I was yeah. like on the mount handing out fishes and loaves, <laughs> but it was tech tips. So that's yeah, kind of how right. it started. And you're so right because I just think there is so much now that you don't even know where to start. You know, it's just really hard. So it's brilliant. Now you've just written a book as well. That will be out by the time this comes out. So tell people a little bit about that and then I'm going to get you to tell me your whole story right the way from when you were a little girl. Oh, good grief. So this gives people the go make a cocktail now and settle in, put the smoking jacket on, put the feet up. So the book is called The End of Technophobia, A Practical Mm -hmm. Guide for Digitizing Your Business. And it really came about from the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that I've worked with that have said to me, I don't know how to get a website going or why can't I just run my business from Facebook or, you know, why do I need this or how do I do that or how do I find a contractor? So many small business owners have been burnt by digital marketing gurus and I'm using air quotes. Um, 
that, you know, I wanted to give them the inside tips. I wanted to say, here's the stuff I ask in a contractor. Here's how you find people that you can trust to work with. Here's what you really need. Here's the inside scoop. So when you go to someone, you can speak enough of the language that you know whether you're being taken for a ride or whether they can do what you need them to do. Fantastic. And is this your first book? It's the first one I've authored by myself. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. I reckon it'll walk off the shelves. I think that's particularly if you can get it into an airport or something like that, that's exactly the sort of place where people will be going, oh, my God, I need this. But anyway, right, let's go right back to when Tracy was a little girl and tell me how you got into this and how you've ended up where you are now. So you can start wherever you like. Where would you like to start? Let's start behind the counter of a general store. That sounded interesting. Well, I'll take you back a little bit further. So I realised I wanted to be my own boss when I was five. Wow, so that is brilliant. My my mum and dad were self-employed uh-huh. and I loved the freedom that I saw that they had in life. And my dad used to say to me quite often that if you ever want to be in charge of your own destiny, the only thing you can do is work for yourself. Oh, I love your dad. And that kind of stuck so from five, I knew I wanted to be my own boss. So then growing up, the parent, the child of parents that were self-employed. Were you an only child? Well, my dad had, so I have two stepbrothers that right. are 10 and 12 years older than me. So oh, effectively okay. an only child, right? Yeah, They'd kind of gone off and had their own lives. Um, so then growing up, I realized that the one thing that kept the business ticking was sales and marketing. How did you know that at five? Well, it was it was a progression. So I realized like at five I met their accountant. So I, I always knew Gary Heather, who was our accountant when I was little, okay. you know, and, and I would go to the meetings with mum and dad and I'd just oh, kind fantastic. of sit there swinging my legs off the end of the dining chair and being a good girl because, you know, you don't talk. Yeah. So I was always – it was osmosis. I was always in and around the conversations. So then when um, we relocated to northern New South Wales when I was in primary school because my dad was the first person in Australia to survive an operation for a cerebral hemorrhage. Wow, so, that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> so and he kind lucky. of died three times on a on the table. They brought oh him back God. and went, right, you need to get out of the city. You need to completely change your lifestyle. So we, we moved to the north coast of New South Wales. They bought a general store yeah. and they worked really, really hard. So it was 5 a.m. to 10 p.m., seven days a week. Such a grind. Yep. So they never had a holiday in 10 years, all that kind of stuff. But what I realised is that everything was built on relationships. What and, do you mean by that? Well, mum and dad knew everything about everyone that came into the store. Right. And... You know, they we started doing things like we would do delivery services for the elderly people around our little catchment because at that stage Woolies weren't open till nine or midnight or whatever. And it was a 15-minute kind of drive from where we were into town. So they would ring and say, you know, here's what I need. We'd pack it up and drop it over to them. And we started to develop a real little community hub around the business. So I I kind of recognised that if people would just come in for a chat and to buy a packet of smokes or something and then end up being there for 60 minutes and having a cuppa, that 
that was smart business. I don't know that I knew then it was smart business, but that was what I knew, that it was relationships, it was marketing and it was sales. And you yeah. had people to do the accounting and the soliciting and the that kind of stuff that you might need in the background. So then I recognized that, well, if I want to be my own boss, I basically need to know how to sell and how to market Yeah, and everything else will take care of itself. I can find good people to take care of the rest. So then right. I, I jumped around my career for 20 something years. Well, what did you do? Well, well, what did you do at you? Did you finish school? Did you go to uni and what did you what 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 sort of little jobs were you jumping around doing? I finished school and I desperately wanted to do journalism and PR. Oh, really? <laughs> and I was in the year of New South Wales where they first decided to scale subjects. Okay. And because I'd done all humanitarian style subjects, they were really scaled down and maths and science and all that kind of stuff, which I abhorred, <laughs> was scaled up. So I missed right. out on getting into journalism by oh. like five points. God, you would have been so good at it as well. So my anyway, mum said to on. me, I see you as a teacher. So I went and started doing uni to be a teacher. I had one Pratt class and it was a kindergarten class <laughs> and I've never wanted kids. Right. Never. It was a kindergarten class. We were playing with and air rods. Right. And this little four-and-a-half-year-old told me to F off. <laughs> like a version <And> therapy. <laughs> at that point, I went, do you know what? I'm out. I'm done. This is I not don't for like me. kids. And if I'm going to be sworn at in my career, I can get paid a whole lot more money for that. So yeah, nice. that was the end of my teaching career. Okay. So what did you do? So you've decided teaching's not the go. What's yep. next? So I jumped into I, – I, I was good at retail because I grew up behind the counter of a general yeah. store. So I jumped into, I got a job with Strathfield Car Radio selling mobile phones and that was 1990. So mobile wow, phones. So real, I remember my dad had a Palm Pilot and we used to think it was so modern. Well, it was at the time, you know, yeah. the fact that you could have everything at your fingertips. And then unfortunately my dad died so we never got to see iPhones because I know he would have yeah, loved it. He would have loved it, yeah. But you were selling the big bricks, I guess, so in those days, were you? 1990 was still the transportables, they were called. It was, just, <laughs> you know, like had the big brick that was the size of a house brick, literally. Yeah. So um, I sold those and one of my regular clients turns out was really good mates with Jerry Harvey from Harvey Norman. Yeah. And the next thing I know, I'm being flown to Sydney and I get to meet Jerry Harvey and Jerry says to me, you're starting with us in two weeks. I want to start an office automation area of the business. I see that it's going to take off and I want you to start mobile phones for Harvey Norman. Okay, so hang on. How in heaven's name did you end up in front of Jerry Harvey? You would have thought that he would have said, you know, tell her to talk to the head of HR or whatever. How did you get in front of him? So one Just of my regular clients at Strathfields in Lismore, northern New yeah. South Wales, was a guy by the name of Stephen Horville, yeah. who was the franchisee of one of the Harvey Norman sections, and he was good mates with Jerry. So Stephen's dad, Bunny, and Jerry were apparently really good mates. So I didn't know, but Stephen had rung Jerry. Obviously, they'd been talking about expanding the retail footprint or whatever. And Stephen had said to Jerry, I found the person that you need to hire. So I got a phone call from, I can't remember the name of his How receptionist. This is amazing. Like, wow, that I must was, have been I so exciting. I just turned 21. Wow. 
Right. So flown down to Sydney, I'm guessing that you hadn't probably done a lot of traveling on your own at that stage, right in front of Jerry Harvey. So, um, so what happened? You said yes, I assume. Yeah. Well, you don't say no to Jerry in the early nineties. Right. So, no. Um, yeah. So I moved down. I had family that lived in Sydney. So I moved down and I started with Harvey's about four weeks later and wow. I was mentored every week by Jerry. So I would go into his office and he'd lay out the plans for what was to become computer superstores. Um, right. So he walked me through how that was happening and his trips to America and why he was doing it, taught me how they put their catalogs together and why in so I was basically groomed, and I mean that in a nice term because that's yeah. taken on a different term these days, but I was basically groomed by Jerry in all things retail marketing. That's amazing. Are you still in touch with him? Did you stay uh, in touch with him over years. the years? I want to send him a copy of the book. Oh, you must. You yeah, must. I really You'll do. love that. But, um, yeah, so so then I um, started travelling around all the different stores and helping the franchisees adopt office automation into their be- their business and they yeah. hated me because Jerry <laughs> would just say to them, she's on your books now for the next three months or six months. Right. So they had to pick me up as a headcount. Jerry wasn't paying for it. And then I'd be coming in this 21, 22-year-old dressed like Ally McBeal because I was, you know, a little bit thinner in those days, so the really <laughs> short skirts, and, um, and telling them what to do and where to put their stuff and how many of this to order and so that was it's that was challenging, isn't it? I, I did get a I got headhunted into by Murdoch Murdoch newspapers when I was twenty one. I put through a management program, and then I was um, supposed to be one of the sales trainers and supervisors for the classifieds. And we had a very similar reaction. They hated me because they'd all been there forever. And who was this twenty one year old jumped up upstart that you know thinks she knows more than them? So it is hard. As a, you know, I didn't enjoy it at all. I was out after a year or so. How long did you last? I did about five years. So oh, the, well done. I, I moved to Melbourne and yeah. helped open up Melbourne for them. And then at some point, and I remember this conversation really, really strongly, I got called into the office and um, Jerry said, I don't know if you've noticed, but I have no female franchisees at this point. Right. My intention right now is to not have female franchisees yet. Right. I, oh, think- I was getting all excited. He was going to go, we need more women. No. 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 <laughs> I think you've learned everything that I can teach you and it's time mm. for you to go to the other side of the counter now. Here's three or four companies that want to talk to you about being a sales rep. Off you go. Right. So I jumped, became a sales rep for a bit um, and then at that point I kind of went, do you know what, I kind of know retail marketing. I need something else. So I jumped into, found a gig with, uh, radio. So I went in with DMG Radio in Coffs Harbour for a while wow. and was selling advertising, but also while I was there, learned how to do copywriting. Yeah. So I was trained in copywriting to write the ads, obviously, and also started to get to have a play behind the mic. And so that started a bit of a love affair with radio. Right. And then um, kind of went, all right, I know radio, I'll go learn TV. So I went to work for Prime TV. Um, and that was during the Olympics. So that was a lot of fun selling advertising and writing copy and learning how to place ads and, you know, cherry pick audiences and that kind of stuff. Amazing. When all right, well, now I know that. So then I went and did events and um, PR a little while for right. 
a chamber of commerce and set up a business awards and a few trade shows and kind of figured out how to do all of that. And what then, a great career background. I'm just loving this, all these little bits that are just adding to your expertise. Well, Go on. And, Sorry. and I have ADD. <laughs> So I get bored really quickly. So I was I was a millennial before millennials were cool and recruiters yeah. hated me because I didn't have any continuity. Stick. Yeah. So I would have to hide jobs and, you know, mostly fortunately for me I was kind of cherry-picked for most stuff, but it, I was a recruiter's nightmare. They didn't know what to do with me. So after <laughs> radio and TV I went to events. What else did I do? I – um. I ended up in Optus, so I did the pilot for SMS technology. So every time you send someone a text message, I was part of the reason why that became, you know, widespread. So huge. So we um, we were trialling that actually for the deaf community. Isn't and that then, amazing? Um, a mate and I that were part of the team used to sit at a cafe in Crow's Nest listening to jazz on a Thursday night and we'd be able to talk to each other about everyone else at the tables Via text <laughs> without them realizing, and then we kind of realized this is actually a pretty cool other piece of tech that's going to go, you know, viral. So that was fun, and then um, at some point ended up at Telstra and became a retail trainer. So I used right. to travel up and down the east coast of New South Wales, teaching the retail store staff how to put devices into the hands of clients, because wow. at that point we were just moving into mobile data. And nobody had ever used a phone for anything other than a phone before. So I just remember that so well. I remember that my brothers really got into texting each other and I was like, why would you bother? It's so easy to just pick up the phone and speak to people. And now I we don't want the phone to ring, right? No, that what was are you doing? The, Text me. <laughs> that's right. I reckon that was the last time I wasn't an early adopter. After that I started going, oh, my God, I love all this stuff. But I did find texting really weird and I hated all the short, the way people were shortening all the words and things. I used to, it used to being the um, grammar Nazi I am, I used to really annoy me. But anyway, now I do it myself. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so after after all the texting, so what what came next? Yeah, so then um, I travelled around and developed a, a coaching program for Telstra to roll out you know, retail marketing for the stores. And then I ended up in, oh, so I did the iPhone launch. So I launched a few networks as part of the retail team. So when we went from, this is probably too techy, but, you know, we had the next G network and then the 4G, you know, so I did all of that. 3G first. I think my phone still goes back to 3G in some areas. I started in analog days. I went from analog to CDMA, from CDMA to 3G, from 3G to next G. Anyway. So right. I can geek out on that stuff. So I was, I was there for that <laughs> and um, then ended up getting asked to join a team. So when Sol Trujillo was CEO, he decided to do a transformation of Telstra and right. he was redesigning the way that the, the staff was supposed to talk to clients. Theoretically, it was well, a great idea. Was that idea. when Telstra became Telstra? Because before that it was Telecom Australia, yeah, wasn't no, it? No, it had been Telstra for a while by then. Okay. Um Great idea, and it was fabulous to be part of this project team. So we had to um, redevelop the entire IT system for retail channels. So I built the learning and development for all of the retail staff. So we had 4,000 staff across 400 stores. Half of them were company-owned. Half of them were licensees. So you had to walk the tightrope of, you know, command and control versus coercion. Um 
So that was great fun. We got a CEO award for the work that we did there. And by that stage, I was burnt out because it was like 2008. I'd been living out of a suitcase for effectively really 10 years. Yeah. And I went, I'm done. It's time for me now to go out on my own. So, Well, that's very brave of you. Um, although I, I, I can't imagine that that wasn't there in the back of your head for a long time before oh. you actually jumped. So what was the first thing that you decided to do? What, what, what was the first business? A coffee wholesale business. Oh, why not? You were in retail. You had all that experience. Why not? not why and you not? drank a lot of it, no doubt, while you were. While you and were. I was a coffee snob. So right, okay. Um, Funny so that you're not found, down in Melbourne then. Yeah. <laughs> so we found a company that had um, – these machines that were going to be great for um, offices and things. I was never interested. Like I'd done some market research and the cafe market was, you know, swamped. It was right. a, a red ocean. But no one was really taking care of corporates or offices or things like that. So I went, all right, well, there's a niche. Let's go do that. So we, my hubby and I, because fortunately we actually work really well to really well. Well, where together. did you meet him in, in all of this story? So, oh God, that's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast on its own. So <laughs> believe it or not, so he grew up in Toowoomba. Yeah. He used to come into our store in <gasps> Casino when he was a kid, bushwalking. Get, get so out of met, town. We met then. He had a franchise um, when I was in my 20s living in Melbourne, didn't know each other, but he used to fly to my store in Melbourne to buy his technology because he wow. couldn't get what he needed in Brisbane. So we met again then. Um, and then we met for the third time he um, interviewed me for a role that I second placed in and then the person didn't show up so I got the job. So I officially started to get to know him back in, I think we figured out we've known each other for like 20 years this year or 19 years this year. Um, wow, but we've been together. 13 years this year and we got married tomorrow last year so right oh gosh so you're together a long long time before you got hitched yeah yeah but Good anyway so we, we work okay well so so you decided to go out on your own and you're married at that stage no didn't get married till last year so we oh, were, no, sorry, we were shacked had, up and living together yeah yeah, yeah. so <laughs> we you were, had your we buddy were, anyway we were disappointing my mother living in sin and having a great time. God, it's um, so funny so to think that's how people used to talk about it, living in sin. <laughs> he's an electrical engineer, so it was the perfect kind of combination because he could fix and install the machines and I could sell them. So we built that business to become Queensland's number one corporate coffee solution provider. Amazing. And I did one trade show for the mining sites and we yep. built the business off mining sites. How so, incredible. Isn't that yep. funny that you just find these little niches that just resonate and off you go? So you became the coffee supplier to mining companies. Yep. So we had Handy. and still do, like we only sold the business last year, so we had it for 10 years. Right. Uh, I got bored and moved away and, and left Pete holding the coffee baby. Um, yeah. Because I started podcasting. I went, oh, podcasting's a thing now. Let's go and do that. ABC. Wow, so when did you start podcasting? That's such a lot. <sighs> Ten years ago. And when did podcasts really become popular? About six years, years ago, ago, four years ago? 
No, I'm just thinking like you were way ahead of the curve, really, with podcasting. I I'm now feel a little embarrassed that I'm interviewing you, <laughs> the I, podcast queen. But I anyway, how yes, great. So I started a podcast that was a horrible failure and then went, mm, still love the medium, just got the thing wrong, and then developed what turns out to be, I didn't know it then, the world's first panel-style podcast. Oh, so okay. I came out with Not Another Business Show, which was for small business owners that want to think big. And I would have between three and five guests on every week and we'd talk about a topic. And then I edited that down. <laughs> and um, and that kind of went a little bit global. And then I had people starting yeah, nice. to message me going, how are you doing this? Who's putting it together? So then I started coaching business owners around building and leveraging a podcast that would grow their business. Right. And at that point I went, this thing needs to be adopted by corporates because having worked in a project, instead of flying people all around the countryside, you could just release a podcast internally to let the entire, you know, project team know what's going on. No, no corporate thought that was a good idea. And now, eight years yeah. on, it's suddenly a thing. I'm like, <laughs> this was my idea. You were just ahead of the curve. There you anyway, go. So it did that and um and then from there, people started asking me about copywriting and things like that again because I'd had a history of that. So built a digital marketing agency. So let me just, though, when you said it became the biggest podcast in the world, I'm still intrigued with that in, in panel. Um, how, how big did it become? How many downloads were you having? Not that I'm brilliant on the analytics, but just give me a, pot, a, a potted look. Yeah. So I don't know that it became the biggest in the world, but it was certainly the first panel-style podcast. And back then we were averaging around 15,000, 20,000 downloads oh my, each I mean, I still, episode. I, I think that's huge even now. That's amazing. Yeah. The weirdest one I had was it, it, had, it helped me figure out where places were. I'm – I'm a geographical noob. Like right. unless I'm in a shopping center, I have no idea where I am. Right. So, you know, I'd get an email from Kazakhstan saying, you know, just listen to and I'm like, I have no idea where this is. Is that <laughs> even a place? <laughs> Places don't exist until I've been there. So I kept having to look things up on the map and going, why are you listening to my little show from Kazakhstan? Or the Maldives or, you and know. Where so because it says not your normal business show, of course you're going to capture everyone. It's still, you know, it's not been live now for about three years and it still gets around 2,000 downloads a month. Does How my head in. amazing. Does That's my head in. Well, so, you're amazing. Okay, so you're doing this podcast. What came next after? Um, so then built a digital marketing agency off the back of that. So yeah. we we're doing a lot of copywriting, web copy, social media, um, and then realised that mm, I didn't like the execution, right? But I love the strategy. So I can look okay. at anybody's business and go tweak that, change that, do that. Off you go. And, right. You know, was getting amazing That's your kind of yeah, was getting amazing kind of feedback for clients. So then COVID hit. And lost every single one of my clients bar one within a two-week period. Oh, my God. I would. It, it really did my head in the whole COVID thing and how people reacted because it's so funny that as a digital marketing expert that people were deserting you when everyone was going digital. Crazy. Yep. yep. So I guess there was a lot of fear and a lot of confusion and all that kind of thing around it. Absolutely. And 
To be honest, I'd kind of pivoted to work a lot with startups and micro businesses and kind yeah. of really help them get to the next level. So, of course, they freaked out. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, the same thing happened with me with the GFC and my PR agency. PR suddenly went right down to the bottom of their list of important things. Which is right things. when they need it. Yeah, I know. Well, that's why I started Handle Your Own PR because I was like, <laughs> I know that the media needs the stories and these people have great stories. Why don't we match them? Same thing with you. You know, you knew that these people needed digital. Yeah. Yeah. So I took two weeks to cry into my coffee <laughs> and had a had a chat with uh, my my coach and my mentor, who's Andrew Griffiths, that we both know. Yeah. And he's Australia's number one small business author. And at that point he said to me, so you didn't like half the stuff you were doing anyway. Jettison it. Like, let's get you refocused. Let's just... And now you've got no excuse. Write the damn book. Yep. Perfect timing to write a book. I took the few months to write the book and... And here we are. And here we are. So it's going out, did you say, first week of March? Yeah. So it's at the printers right now and I got a message because of, again, God bless COVID, the printers were forced to close down again this time. Okay. So the delay kind of happened. So I'm saying it's due to land to me now, first week of March. So Okay, great. Well, it'll definitely be out by the time um, people get this. I feel like I'll have to interview you afterwards to say, <laughs> so how's it all gone? Um, so close okay. the digital marketing agency and, and turned everything to the digital guide. And yep. that was the book launch. So the website, everything's kind of getting redone right now and goes live the book. Brilliant. I mean, I just think that the digital guide is a brilliant name as well. So uh, talk to me about pivotal moments along the journey in your career where something has shifted. And I mean, we've touched on it a bit, but can you think of any specific times where something shifted and you thought, oh my God, you know, you can look back in hindsight and say that was a disaster, but you look now and go, thank God. Well, I mean, COVID is obviously one of them. Uh, but what other ones have you had? I think I've just had a lot of sliding door moments. Yeah, it sounds that's a kind bit of like more that. what it feels like to me. You know, like the the podcast thing of trying to knock on doors with corporates, going, "I've been in project teams. The communication is shite." Yeah, you know, here's a medium that you can use really cheaply and effectively. Oh no, that no, so, I don't but understand. But it's so that. you know, they're just so risk averse, aren't they? I um was working in a company that was making CD-ROMs with, um, you know, those interactive CD-ROMs that are everywhere now where you go in and you can click on things in a picture and it pops up Mm. with information. And I was working with guys doing that in Silicon Graphics back at the time where I'd go to corporates and go, so we need to get all this stuff on CDs. And they'd be like, what is a CD? And I'd be going, no, no, you'll all be using them. And them going, no way, we're not going to use them. We like our floppy disks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and do you know now, I did the segue, I tried to get floppy disks to to turn into coasters as a present to give away with my book. Yeah. I couldn't get um, floppy disks for under $3 a disk. Wow. Isn't that how so the it, times have changed? So if you have floppy disks sitting around your house right now that aren't used, throw them on eBay. They're worth a fortune. It's ridiculous. 
That's amazing. Now, because this show is all about women um, and we want to lift women up and we want to sort of give them tips and advice, uh, one of the things I like to ask, and it doesn't matter if anyone doesn't come to mind, but if there is anyone that you think has been really pivotal, helpful in your life that you'd like to do a shout out, do you want to tell us about any women that you've worked with who've been amazing um, that have really helped you? I just think it's time for us to sort of, you know, celebrate them. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess working in the sector that I did, which was heavily tech-focused, it was mostly blokes. Male-dominated. So I had to look for my role models that I may not have got to meet at that point. So, you know, for for me, and this is going to show my age again, it was people like, you know, Maggie T., and Ida Buttros and Yarn yeah. um, Event. And I lo- I've always been passionate about people that ask smart questions. Yes, and those are all very smart women. And I loved Maggie Tabra. She was amazing. In fact, we just never hear about her anymore, do we? She was, no. I would have said she would have been on every month that she would have been in a magazine for about 10 or 15 years. Oh, and, you know, taking over the editorial the same as Ida did and and running those pa- and going, you know, head-to-head with the Packers and the things of the world back then. My God, so much respect for those women. Oh, my God, um, yes. And, and recently, you know, it wasn't until kind of I hit 40 that I actually started to find my sisters, my tribe. Yep. Be- I agree. Before then, I don't know if it was that I was in the wrong headspace or I was in the wrong industry or if I'd just not met the right women, but it always felt quite um, um, adversarial. Isolated and sort of on your own because you were yeah. very much in an area where there weren't a lot of women and the only role models we did have were those women who were in magazines. So there was nothing kind of to bridge that gap Yeah, yeah. for a long time. And if I did meet someone who was in a similar industry, it felt as though they were frightened I was after their job. Yes. So, which, which to an extent, and I don't know, I'm not in corporate land, but to an extent from the 90 women I have interviewed so far, it's still going on. Yeah. You know, they're so still sad. in that corporate land, which is very much dominated by um, men. I mean, obviously we're trying to address it now with all the diversity and inclusion, but mm. up until the last couple of years, I would say, um, you know, women, women were pretty much quiet in the yeah. corporate land yeah. and weren't really being, there weren't a lot of women. I mean, I do remember there was the woman who rang the bank, Gail something oh, or other. Oh, yeah, yeah, Westpac was the lady. Yep, but, yep. but, again, they were unicorns. They were absolute freaks. There were hardly any of them. Absolutely. And they had to be more alpha male than female. Yeah. There was no right. softness to a woman in power then. Yes. You know, something now that it's we're kind all embracing. of. Yeah, so it's only been in the last few years that I've kind of found my sisterhood Um, and, you know, people like, I I don't know if you know Louise Williams, who's an amazing headshot photographer. She come from a a psychology background to become a photographer and now she has this whole kind of thing, which I've never seen before, of helping you to become your future you. So when she photographs you, you're talking about where the business is going to be in 18 months. So she's oh, capturing it. kind of where the business is evolving to as opposed to where you are right now. Amazing woman. Yeah, so, that's really you clever. Know, people like like Louise, um, another girlfriend, Wendy Pavey, who's an amazing um, brand strategist for C-suite women. 
So she helps them develop their personal brand inside a company and get board roles or, you know, step up into those thought leadership kind of roles. So they're my people that I can go to and I get, you know, the no bullshit. Yes, you're on the right track. No, you're not. You know, it's okay. Let's have a wine. It's okay. You know, but yeah. So but that's a beautiful thing, <laughs> and I think that comes with. I don't know. For me, it's 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 only happened in the last few years, and I'm my life is so I think much look, richer it's partly now. Than age. I reckon it's partly age because we kind of are braver. I think when we're older, in terms of reaching out to people and stuff. But I also think that it's only been the last few years that really we've started to see a lot of these women's groups and um, networks get together that aren't false, mm. I guess is the best mm. way I can use it. There are so many groups I've been to where you feel like they're talking the party line yeah. rather than being honest. And the last few years I feel like something shifted and you can actually get to know these people and it's not all yes. this is what I look like on the outside. It's more about... This is what I'm like on the inside. A couple of years ago, I was introduced to a group called Women Chiefs of Enterprise, yeah. um, so WCEI, and they they were founded in France during the Second World War with wow. the idea being that the men were all going off to war and the women needed to step up and run the businesses. So they collaborated and, you know, shared ideas and things. Well, it's been going since the Second World War and it's a global organisation. And wow. being able to be in the presence of some of those women is not only aspiring but just to think I can pick up the phone to like someone like Di Thompson or, you know, some of these amazing women and go, listen, I'm having this thing and they'll give me time. Like me, I like it's extraordinary, isn't it? Phenomenal businesses, and here am I going, die. Have you got thirty minutes? I've got a problem. Sure, let's chat. Wow, I know, I, you know, there's some, if there's anything else that I've learned, particularly through the YouTube shows, because I've now started really targeting these women that I feel the same way. I'm like, I, I ask them, and I'm absolutely blown away if they say yes. Yeah, is that they all want to give back? Yes, and I can imagine that when I'm incredibly successful and that will come, you know, that you will want, that, that I will want to do that too because, you know, this, this, you can get to a certain point and then you go, well, I don't want to keep taking. I really want to give, um, even if you have been in corporate land forever. All There's right, a real so, legacy piece, isn't there, for women, yeah, I feel. There is. Yeah. And I just feel personally I feel like there's a shift. Something oh, has shifted, totally. particularly since the beginning of COVID and the fact that we can all talk to each other online and it's expanded our networks over borders, over boundaries and things. I, I just think it's extraordinary. I just think this change is coming. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, like. I feel it in the waters. That's right. And as Bob Dylan or whoever it was said, the age, well, the, the age of Aquarius is now mm. anyway. So, you know, it's time for change. Anyway, so let's talk about work and play and how you um, manage to juggle that. Do you work every hour that God sends or do you have set times that you work? How, how, do you, how does your week kind of pan out or your year? It's one of the things I've really discovered about having ADD is that I will have hours or days of just immense focus where I right. basically can't tear myself away. I just have to do it. Yeah. And then I'll go and sleep for a couple of days or I'll just Netflix and chill for a couple of days. So I've just learned to work with that. Yeah, um, right. Set times just don't work for me. So they just don't. But yeah. typically um, 
if Pete's home, my hubby, because he works from home as well, we'll take an hour, an hour and a half out in the middle of the day and we'll sit down and we'll have lunch. Oh, good on you. That's great. But then the rest of the time could be, you know, whatever it needs to be. But we really make that effort to sit down and connect over lunch every day. Which is just one of the wonderful things that you can do when you own your own business is choose the hours that suit you. I'm a bit the same. And, and, uh, And I love it that you're either off or on because I'm pretty much the same. I think I have a bit of ADHD as well. But, you know, it's either I'm into it yeah. or um, I, I can never motivate myself when I only have one thing to do. I'm just like, no, nah, I'll put it off till tomorrow till I've got five things to do exactly. and then I'm into it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give, a, give a busy person a task, right? That's exactly right. Okay, now there is a question that I want to ask you that all the um, – that one of the journalists suggested that I ask and I have loved asking it ever since, which is, is there a quirky fact about you that you would be up for sharing that you haven't really shared before? It can be anything from, you know, one person told me they didn't have a belly button to someone else said they were on Graham Norton's big red chair to somebody had won, um, what was that show, Perfect Match? So it can be anything. I had a crush on Cameron Daddo. I had a huge (laughs) crush on Cameron Daddo. I I even got a signed autograph. Um, I first spoke on stage when I was five and it was the Opera House. Wow. What was it about? What was it for? Um. I had a really bad lisp when I was a kid. Yeah. And I was put through. So cute. <laughs> yeah. I still get it when I'm tired. Yeah. Um, and I was put through speech pathology and right. I ended up winning some kind of competition or something and I had to read, I think it was Ronald Dahl that wrote it, The King's Breakfast. Right. The poem. And I can remember standing on stage, you know, and learning this poem off by heart and reciting it on stage. And, you know, at that moment I kind of went, I'll be back here someday. And I knew at that moment I went, I'm a speaker. I want to be a speaker. This is my my thing. So have you been back? (laughs) No. Well, not not on stage. I've been been back a number of times in the audience because it's one of my favourite venues, but not on stage yet. Yet. I was going to say, watch this space. You'll be up there running, doing a talk all about technophobia and how you've managed to cure it in old people before we know it, I'm sure. (laughs) Okay, and the last couple of questions are literally nothing to do with anything other than I'm obsessed with my phone and apps on my phone. Um, And thank God I think I might, in you, I might have met someone because there's a number of people and I go this and they go, nah, don't use my phone at all. But do you love phone apps? And if so, can you give us a couple of hints on your favourite apps for business outside of I'm not interested in social media and email and stuff. I want to know clever ones. Have you got a couple of clever ones you could share? So I mentioned that I'm geographically challenged. Yeah. My favourite, favourite app is called What Three Words. I know that one. Go on, explain it to everyone. I freaking love this app. So it was designed by two guys. One of them used to run um, a lot of uh, bands in the US, specifically kind of classical orchestras, and he was forever having people turn up at the wrong location and couldn't get the stage door listed on Google Maps or Apple Maps or any of that kind of stuff. So him and a geeky mate of his that he went through school who was a mathematician got together and gridded the entire planet in three metre squares and came up with three unique words for each of the squares. They had to run it through and make sure that it wasn't racist or politically sensitive or anything globally. And now you can 
type in, you can go have open the app, what three words, and it will pin where you are and then it yeah. will give you three words. It might be unicorn, donkey, red or something. Right. And then you can share that location with Jules. So I want to catch up with Jules at a cafe and I want to say come directly to the table that I'm sitting at so I can send Jules the three words and she can literally walk in and hone into the location. Oh, down my God. Meters. I don't think I've ever really understood the application. You have just explained it so well. I can't wait till we have a meeting and you have to do a three words um, direction for me so I can give it a go. That's and the, great. The first thing most people do is have a look at where their front doorstep is. Yes. Uh, well, so, it's funny you should say that. I was just going to go and have a look. <laughs> I've used it for Uber, like when I've been in staying in Airbnbs that might be granny flats or something out the back. So instead of them having to annoy the people at the front door to give them the actual, you know, address, I love it. The next thing they're doing is going up. So if you can imagine being in a Westfields or a shopping centre that's three or four stories high and you want to go to, I don't know, insert random retail outlet, you'll be able yep. to send the three words that will take you to level three on that particular thing. So ah, that's going to get that brilliant. Cool. Or level 64 of the, of the you know, exactly. Eureka Tower or whatever. Exactly. That's so clever. And, and on top of the fact that, of course, we are, the, you know, cities are going up. Okay. Exactly. Um, another one? Have you got another one? Um, well, I do. I am a bit of a, a weather fiend, so it's not really yeah, a weather, yeah. uh, not really <laughs> a business app. I've, I, you know, my partner even says you, I should start a podcast called The Weather Girl because I'm just obsessed with it. Maybe so we could do it together. WT forecast. Yes, love it. Go on, tell everyone so, about it. Um, it's it's just a weather app, but what I love about it is you can set the profanity ratings on it, and, and it's a complete some, piss take on it, isn't it? I love it. Some of the um, comments that it provides are just absolute laugh out loud, but very blue. So I need to be very careful who I recommend that one to. So um, not really. A well, as you app, said, though, you can set the Google. profanity levels, so you don't have to have it saying, no. you know. But why, it's why as, would it's, you? Like I know, but it's as hot today bomb. as if a blah, 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 or it's colder than a blah, blah, and it's just exactly. so funny. I'm just looking on, on Melbourne for today. What have you got up there for Queensland for today? So, oh, my God. Mine's a great one. Quit screwing around and fingering yourself and get the frack outside. It's 28. <laughs> That's awesome. Mine's, mine's just having a moment and is trying to tell me that they're being interviewed for a podcast, so... I'll, uh, I'll let you know ah, when it comes up in a minute. Never. All right. Now, what about for fun? Do you play on your phone for fun or is phone only for work? Have um, any games? I get, like- I get a bit addicted to a, a game every now and again, but it's one of those stupid like, you know, candy crush kind of games or something where I can just not think. I, so- I am on level 3000 and something of candy crush. I'm ashamed to say much to the hilarity of my sons who go, you're not still doing that, Mum. And I'm like, that one, flight control, I absolutely love. Have you ever done flight control? I haven't. I just think oh they're God. the bold and the beautiful of phone apps, aren't they? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just lo- I love flight control, which is um, guiding planes. You get planes coming on uh-huh. from all different angles. And some are helicopters that go slow and some are jumbo jets that go fast and some are DC-10s. And you've got to guide them onto runways oh, so that they don't cool. crash. Oh, I, I like absolutely that. love that one. And Words crack. with Friends is another one that I'm yeah, just constantly on. I gave up on. on that because no one wanted to play with me. <laughs> I'll play with you. I have about 18 <laughs> games a day I play. <laughs> That's brilliant. 
Look, Tracy, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. Thank you so much for sharing your amazing story. Like you've had all sorts of fantastic things in your career. I absolutely can't wait till your book comes out. So let's assume, I don't know whether you know where it's going to be, but let's tell people where they can buy the book and how they can get hold of you. Yep. So the book has been picked up by bookstores. So it's on Amazon, it's on QBD, Angus and Robertson. Oh, um, brilliant. You should be so proud of yourself for that. Book Depository. So basically, you know, if you Google the end of technophobia, you'll find where it's available. Um, And people can reach out to me either, well, Clubhouse is obviously where we're spending all of our time these days. So I'm at Digital Guide on Clubhouse, but also Facebook, Tracy to the Digital Guide, LinkedIn, you know, all the regular and thedigitalguide.com.au is the website. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for doing this interview. It's been fabulous. I can't wait to share it. I wish you'd do it again, Jules. Let's just do it again. I'm always up for doing anything that involves talking. I'm I'm in there. Next time we need wine. That's all. Yeah, bubbles. I'm in with you. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jules. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'sthebos.com.au. She's the boss.